National City Tour continues. Yes. This week on Emo Brown, we're taking it to National City, our sister city town right up the block from us. Before we get into who's here today, Grasshopper, our one and only sponsor. And we're going to get into We're going to get into cannabis and, and how it relates to the National City. But first, we're going to talk about our sponsor, Grasshopper, and the first legal dispensary located here in the city of Chula Vista, Anything you need, medicinal, recreational, you know what to do. You've heard this spiel all along. We're coming for you. Christian Moreno, you're here with me. You're going to be uh, oh. serving as my, my little sidekick today. Yeah, hi. Because you have that national city route, bro. You went to uh, Sweetwater High? I did, yes. Te grabastas, can? I did, yes. I okay. mean, I have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, yes. oh, I mean, so, I yes. Which leads us to our guest today. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not always, you know, we, we, we get awesome guests. You know, we get guests that, you know, have a great story to tell. Today is no different. Times 10. Andale. No pressure. No <laughs> pressure, Miss Mayor. Alejandra Sotelo Solis, the first Latina mayor, the first elected woman mayor of National City. That's right. Bienvenida, bienvenida, bienvenida y bienvenida. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for, for actually joining us here in the dungeon of the brewery where we operate and do all things Emo Brown. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you again for the invitation to be here and share a little bit about my story. And this is the beauty of our South Bay. Like we know each other in like the circles y conocemos a la gente in the family. Um, and, you know, this is this is the beauty of it. The there's Venn diagram. Like, there's always like three degrees of separation. Yeah. We either know the cheese man, yeah. they know their baby daddy. Or, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you got cheese on us? You got cheese on us? Wait a second. I think, you. I think right? the mayor did some research, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, we know things. The Venn, yeah. the Venn diagram of the South Bay life, man. We're like Kevin Bacon down here, legitimately. It, you, I know somebody from, South, from Southwestern College. I know I know at least 50 people. Right. I know somebody from Sweetwater High. It's like... My cousins went there. Exactly. So I know everybody there. And then it turns out you and I said we both graduated in the same year. Class Congratulations. 97. 97. Yeah. Bro, quick math will tell me that's over 23 years already, wow. bro. We're going, I'm approaching the quarter century mark for my freaking graduation. No manches. Yeah, oh my that's God. That's awesome though. But that's the beauty. You know, we're, we're here giving back to our communities. We have not uh, left the nest. So to we speak. really haven't, um, mm-hmm. whether it be, you know, uh, in our roles. And so a little bit about me grew up on the West side of national city um, in a community that walking through to get to Kimball elementary school, we used to smell like the tire shops and the transmission shops and the auto body shops. And I didn't know any different until I graduated again from Kimball National and Sweetwater, went up to UCSD and I started learning about like environmental justice issues. What is this ocean breeze? Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> what is this smell? You know, and it was what my community should have been and the openness, the, the, true cleanliness of it. And then I learned about the environmental injustices and it was truly, you know, living it 100% as a child and then coming and then having that comparison, the the book smart and being like, oh my gosh, this is, should not be allowed. This is because of improper zoning and trying to weed out Latinos who were homeowners on the West side 
to get rid of them and, you know, displace communities. And so fast forward, I did the Coral Fellowship in Public Policy. I graduated from UCSD first. I got my degree in political science. Go figure. Right. <laughs> Met my husband. Wait, you're using your degree currently? Oh my I, God. Oh, that, wow. that's, that's like, I know maybe one person aside from you in a group of 50 <laughs> that currently use their degree to the full potential. And they're a sociologist probably. <laughs> Communications. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so, you know, for me, it was also to being active on campus because I met my husband there. Not only can you get your degree and get your college debt, but you can also get your amorcito, my husband. Three boxes checked That's at one right. school. <laughs> um, and we met through Mecha. Nice. And so, Movimiento Estudiantil Chicano de Aslan and really learning about who we were, the activists, but also to knowing that it was about bringing other people up with us. And so we've been together ever since. Very nice. My freshman year. And he's just been amazing, Arturo, my partner. Both from National City? Actually, he's from Linwood in All LA. Right. El de Linwood, yeah. right. I know. And grew up part-time in Compton, in Compton and Linwood. So my suegra still lives there. So if you ever go up Plaza Mexico, go right across the street. You can't find parking. Go to my suegra's house. She'll hook you oh, up. There you go. There you go. There's going to be a sign, $5 parking. All right, cool. <laughs> For you. We know the mayor. But yeah, it's just been amazing. And then after the Coral Fellowship in Los Angeles, I worked for two state assembly members. One, Judy Chu. She was congresswoman now. And uh, assembly member Lori Saldana. Nice. And then I decided to run for office in 06. You were built for this job. You were built for this position. It almost seems that this is something that was within your DNA from the get. You know, as the oldest, uh, me gusta mandar, yeah. you know, and to be like, hey, I'm Go ahead, yeah. Pero también, it was always something to, my, my community always supported me. It was it was always really, mija, you can do it. You can reach for your goals. Uh, no, it's not going to be easy, mm -hmm. but, you know, go off to school, come back, give back to your community. And that really stayed with me. And so, and also too, in the fifth grade, I announced I was going to be the mayor. So, oh wow, it had to be done. It had to be done. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, I, I mean, had, you put it out there. You had to put. You had to make yeah. it happen. So, technically, in the fifth grade, I was already starting my campaigning. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think no ponía atención. That's their fault. Um, but we just, you know, decided to go all in. And in 2006, I ran for the first time, and I lost. Okay, yeah. And it sucked. I mean, left, I left a little bit of a taste in your mouth. Yeah. But it also allowed me to see what the community really wanted to see in an elected official. Just they wanted somebody who, one, gave back to their community. Two, was not going to stop um, giving back even with a loss under their belt. Um, that I was somebody that looked like them. Mm -hmm. I'm brown hair, brown eyes, 5'2". You know, grew up in a single parent household. I'm uh, bilingual. Sometimes pochismos come out and... It, but that's trilingual, right? That's a whole different I, language. I wholeheartedly mm -hmm. agree. But it's also to be just being able to connect with people. And, you know, that that first time out didn't come with um, without some discrimination in that um, I was young um, and I was 26 at that point. But people there were several women who asked me, so what, you don't want to have kids then because I didn't have children. And my my reply was, do you ask that of all right, of the candidates yeah. and especially the male candidates that I'm running against? You know, just because my you think my uterus defines who I am. Yeah. <laughs> really Preconceived doesn't. notions. I mean, in, in 2021, yeah. you'd think some of these would already be erased, but 
unfortunately, I feel like if anything, they've been amplified even more now. Mm, very much so. And so uh, 2008, then I was elected. Uh, I ran, kept, council, kept yeah. running, ran, won. And for 10 years, I was on the city council. And 2018, all in and became the first uh, Latina. Felicidades. And, and it's just been amazing. I mean, my first year was getting acclimated. You know, we repainted the office. We, you know, got- um, Made yourself at home. Yeah, pretty yep. much. And then I did my first uh, state of the city. I got uh, gifted a lowrider bike by Love Rider Expressions oh, there on go. Highland Avenue. Oh, nice. um, you still have it. Oh, heck yeah. You ride, got, it, you ride it to the office. I every do. Day. Yeah. Every, every day. <laughs> um, but it's also too- um, after that year, and during that year, my father-in-law crossing the street from Plaza Mexico, he actually was a victim of a hit and run. And that was on January, like the first week of January, Wednesday. And my husband called me three times. I was in a meeting. So he's calling me, calling me. I was like, the first time is like, bring a gallon of milk home, right? Yeah. Second one is like, I'm eating the cereal, apurate, like right. I need the milk. And the third time it's like, somebody's dying. And sure enough, it was my father-in-law who had gotten hit. He had, he was in LA, so we took off. ASAP. My first year, again, being acclimated of being an elected official was also to being in emergency rooms, um, the hospice, because we didn't know how he was doing and his health really fluctuated throughout the year. And I share this because when we were working on all these, as somebody who is considered in the know, you know, you know, healthcare, you know, kind of the, the ways with which to do it. There were certain things where we were flying blind as a family and just advocating for more. You know what? He looks like he's in pain. Why don't you give him more? If there's five of them and they're all rotating out, how do you keep the information? Well, a little diary was put there at the bedside. And you know, questions that my suegra may have had, we all put it on a text thread. And it's that year that was truly exhausting, but we kept hearing about this thing called COVID. Right. And it wasn't here in the States. It'll never make it over no. here. No, that's in Asia. It won't make it here. Yeah. And in December he passed, he succumbed to his wounds of, um, from being uh, the victim oh, of the man. hit and run. And so again, because COVID had not hit the States, we were able to have about 300 people at his funeral, celebrated him and celebrated the family. My suegra, like, it was beautiful, mariachi, beautiful. Fast forward, January comes along and my tata, my dad's dad, ended up having kind of like a mild stroke. And within two months he had gone oh my, A year full of loss yeah. and transitioned straight into COVID. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it was, we had the state of the city. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then in February he passed. So two patriarchs of my family. Pillars of the family had passed. And I think it really helped prepare me because this was again, right before COVID, we had 200 people at my tata's funeral. And then I did my state of the city in March. Y luego COVID, it was like the last major event. And I think having those two males there with me spiritually, having had that loss, having really struggled with all of those elements, it got me prepared. And I said, Diosito, this is where you want me to be. Please give me the tools I need. And right off the back, National City was the highest COVID-19 positive case rate. And as South Bay mayors, we were like, we need to advocate for more testing. And sure enough, that Tuesday we had council, we declared at 
uh, National City, we were the first to declare the mask mandate. Um, very next uh, two days later, we did the uh, testing for the county. We got five testing location sites in National City within that Heck month. Yeah. South Bay was hit hard. The South Bay from, from, from Barrio Logan all the way down to the border and, and obviously across the border, but here in, in the States, the South Bay was hit hard. We were often resembled with the darkest of the red as it rings when you look at a, a populist map indicating like, okay, where are the outbreaks happening? Where's the first case? I remember the first case when it happened was a gentleman or an employee of a AT&T wireless somewhere here oh, in right. Chile, remember yes, off, yes, off of Broadway. Right. And then I was like, oh man, this is real. This is here. Mm -hmm. And then in a matter of a month, it was like, yeah. You know, businesses, we, we had to shut down. Everything had to close down. You mentioned you 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 and the other South Bay leaders. So you and Ms. Mary Sa Mayor Salas linked up, had conversations, yeah. strategized, build plans on how to navigate through this? Well, yeah. I mean, it was also to Serge Sedina, uh, Vivian Moreno. Vivian Moreno, yes. And, and we really just said, we need to ask for more. And we know in, in any line of work, what's the worst thing somebody can say is Nail. no, exactly. <laughs> yet. And maybe it's no, just not right now, but we were seeing it live happening to our neighbors, to our cousins, to people we knew it may have been arm's distance at first, but then it got much, much closer. And so it was the T3 and pushing that T3 testing, tracing, treatment. And so throughout the, the year, it was that. Um, we had uh, testing sites from the county, from the state, from our uh, health clinics, but it took getting people comfortable with going. If people already had doubts about the healthcare system, why am I gonna go so they can give me bad news, right? Yeah. That whole scenario, then why were they gonna get tested so they could be told that they were gonna die of COVID-19? That's a whole cultural thing that we right. bring with ourselves. The, the negative outlook always, and like, especially when I talk to my parents and I'm sure with everyone here, you know, we have Mexican parents and I feel like that Mexican background is always like, pa que, pa que me digan esto, mejor no, mejor me quedo así sin saber. Yeah. Ojos que no ven, corazón que no siente. And unfortunately, that puts us at an even more disadvantage um, because we know healthcare has always been an issue, um, but it's whether it be trust in the system, trust in the healthcare provider, but also to just kind of dispelling those myths. In our communities, we had two buckets of people. One, um, people who were laid off straight up because of the tourism industry and all of those businesses that had to shut down. The other bucket was the essential workers that have not had time off since last March when the pandemic was declared. And those essential workers were also two in multi-generational households. So you had the abuelita, the working parents, maybe you had a young adult teenager that was still working at the grocery store. And then you had the little ones. So everybody was in that household. So if one person contracted COVID-19 because of their essential yeah. job, than the entire household. Yeah. And so we saw that growing in numbers and we do have an older uh, adult population in National City. We also have a very young population. So it was all of those elements that really made that recipe for a high COVID-19 positive uh, case rate. Especially when the essential workers are primarily our demographic, man. You know, people of color, Mexican, and then it's like, okay, whoa. What are we gonna do to like kind of like curb this thing? Cause yeah, when one person gets in there, 
everybody in the fa- in the family would get it, you know? Yeah, it's 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 truly like that family setting. And because it was still so early on, there was, you know, a lot of education that had to be put out, you know. We we know the the sanitation and we know those things, but it's also to just the closeness. We are a very uh um uh intimate culture and that nos gusta abrazar, you know, we yeah. like to hug. We like to be in each other's spaces. We like to convivir, come together, have fellowship over food. Well, if you can't do that, there's always a piece of you, the kind of that's missing. Oh yeah, for sure. And so uh, we really had to kind of refocus that and talk to people about doing things on Zoom. And like, Zoom, <laughs> but it's also exacerbated if you don't even have access to internet or a computer. So one of our first pitches was, hey, what can we do to help the school districts make sure that they have the Wi-Fi and the the networks that they need? Because I had three little ones that were distance learning and we were sometimes on the same Wi-Fi and it sucked. Yeah, I could imagine <laughs> for sure. Um, and so, and if I'm somebody in the know, you know, somebody who doesn't have the same amount of resources, it, it behooves me as an elected official, but as a leader, as a mom, as a PTA vice president mm. to be able to say, we need more. And so uh, our, through our school district, every kid got um, their computer and they were able to get a hotspot if they needed it. Success. Exactly. Yeah. And so we've been working on that. But then on top of that, we heard of stories of people that were going hungry. Yep. And we said, no, 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 no. Okay. So what did we do? I helped start a food drive. Very nice. Over 500 families every week that was getting fed. And we knew those people. I knew who they were. Neighbors, friends. And then we heard that they needed diapers. So we heard that through Miracle Babies, there were families driving all the way up to Kearney Mesa to get two bags of diapers. So I said, what do you guys need down here? And it was, we needed a, just a drive-through space. So the food bank was done at St. Anthony's in partnership with Catholic Charities, San Isidro Health, uh, San Diego Food Bank, uh, Feeding San Diego, um, South Bay Community Services, and the diapers through Miracle Babies at the library. And they are still feeding people and still giving out diapers. If there's any positives that have come out from this last year is that, that, you know, I was talking to somebody about, you know, post 9-11, everybody was so friendly. You know, it, it was like a, from tragedy, the a sense of positivity sprung. And and for the first few months that that followed 9-11, I remember everybody's like, hey, nice to see you. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, woo, woo. Eventually that wore off, you know? <laughs> so then we get now to this and I see the same kind of a similarity in, in the aftermath of what's been, first pandemic of, of, of our lifetime, mm-hmm. you know, something that we've had to deal with that we've never had to encounter. We have zero experience with. We were forced to be brought together and work together to ultimately reach the goal of just kind of maintaining, thriving and surviving, exactly. you know? So you guys did an excellent job, you know, the community leaders, you know, the city council members, the mayor, everybody, all city government involved, you guys came together. And I know it's not always an easy environment or an easy workplace to, you know, like put, um, beliefs or little beefs that you guys guys have aside and told him like say, you know what? Okay. I get that. We'll address that later. But right now people in our community are missing the basic necessities to function, exactly. to operate. So that I became a fan of city government and everything that you guys do, you know, me specifically here in Chula Vista, cause I see a lot of that. Yeah. Now the way things are, it's like, I feel like there's a, there's, there's certain misconceptions, even with the vaccine, cause we're on the tail end of this. Allegedly, quote unquote, Supposedly, you know, yeah. we're, we're getting to, to the, the magical date of June 15th when everything's going to open up and 
you know, schools are coming back into session and we're no longer teachers. We're no longer teachers at home for our kids. You know, we're sending them back to the professionals. Professor Moreno, thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get to send them back to the fully trained professors, you know. But yet there's still people in our community that are very like anti-vax for, you know, and, and me personally, do as you wish. You know, you, you will never like get me to say you're a bad person for not doing this or you're awesome for doing this. But what is it that we can do to kind of ixnay those misconceptions of getting the vaccine or just kind of have people be like, hey, the earth is not flat, it's round. Yeah. You know, the vaccine is not going to do this, it's going to do that. Like, how do we educate or just disprove these misconceptions? I think it's consistent messaging. It's, you have to be consistent. That's why the T3 for us, the testing, tracing, and treatment at the very beginning and keeping it going. The masks, making sure it took nine months for people to feel comfortable to have this thing. And when you w walked out of your car to go to the store and you didn't have it, you're like, damn it, I have yeah, to go, go back, back and right? Yeah. And it was that self-conscious, I'm going to do this for me and for my family. And the vaccine, again, because it was expedited in that it was produced in six months, the studies, though, to produce the COVID-19 vaccine started with H1N1 several years back. So it's already had five to six years in the scientific, in the labs. And so the, the, the product itself, the COVID-19 vaccine, was, was quickly produced. However, it was rigorously tested. Um, for myself, I was part of the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 uh, vaccine mm -hmm. trial. And it's, it's trying to help dispel those myths like, hey, yeah, see the way, you know, it hurts when you get the shot, but I didn't feel any symptoms afterwards. Well, come to find out when I got the the, the first shot and, and I did it all on camera, I got the two nasal swabs, <laughs> the brain one that really hurt. I was all crying and luckily I had my mask on still. And, <laughs> you know, but I was able to show people this is what it takes to be part of a vaccine trial. But here I'm going to take the vaccine. Fast forward. Um, Johnson and Johnson gets the uh, emergency authorization. Just, yeah. I say, I want to be unblinded and we're going to do it more Povich style. You're, I'm going to open up an envelope and it's going to say, you are not the father. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And find out I did not get the vaccine. I had got, been part of the placebo group. I had gotten saline. So it, what what hurt was salt water. So yeah. Salt water hurt. <laughs> so it hurt a lot, but it allowed for another learning lesson. My behavior did not change. Yeah, Even though I had the vaccine, what I thought was a vaccine, I still wore my mask. I stay, still stayed in my family pot. I washed my hands. I sanitized. I kept my six foot distance. And during that six month period, I did not contract COVID. And so, so we, we can't bank on one vaccine being the end all and be all. Your behaviors have to mirror that at the same level. This is the first year I've never gotten sick. Yeah, right? Okay. I mean, you know, tengo tres esquinkles, you know, why feel myself? We have the eight, the seven and the three-year-old. Those little dudes, they bring more bacteria than anything else in the house, you know? Right? So one, obviously they didn't go to school for this year. They've been just hanging out with us. So they weren't bringing, you know, other kids bacteria. Mm -hmm. And two- but I thought we, I'm not going to say we're not clean, but we wash our hands for everything now. Everything, 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 everything. Okay, lavate las manos. Okay, vete al baño. Lavate las manos. So it's like constant, nonstop, wearing our mask, going out, moving forward. The mask, shit, I'm still going to rock it when I need it. Yep. You know, if I need it, I'm, I feel, I enjoyed not being sick. Mm. I don't know about everybody else, but I usually get sick in March and in November. I have it down to a T on when I get sick. 
Last year, I told wife, I was like, oh shit, I didn't get sick one time this year. Whatever we did, let's keep doing it. Is it the vaccine? No, because the vaccine, I didn't get it until what? Recently. Yeah. March, I think, yeah, yeah. maybe April. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, it's not that because it was a whole year. So cleanliness and just kind of, you know, doing what's good for yourself and everyone else around you. And that's and that's the reminder, you know, we do a veces, you know, say, ah, oh, it's okay. Uh, but if we keep this up, you know, we can create a whole new environment in that sense for our health. Um, but it's dispelling the myths too, that the vaccines ha- are going to make you sterile. No, there is no evidence. Good. I have that. three kids. No. I'm ready for that. No more. <laughs> I don't but, want any kids. But I think that's like your style, right? You seem to be your own experiences. You know, your, you know, your community that you have to be a, a model for them. Right. I think we've talked about our, don't parents. talk about it. Be about yeah, it. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think that's what, I think that's what like, I like that when I, when I see the, Facebook groups that, you know, you are out there and you're, you have to model to them because we have a different demographic. They, maybe they're not as connected, they're not in the know. Like we are, mm-hmm. right? Like, I feel like we are in the know, you know, how many times did we read uh, our parents, uh, um, how to fill out their taxes and how to do all these things. So I think, I think your style is great that you know your community and you want to be a model and you want to show to get everybody to come along. Oh. Thank you. And it, it's it's still hard because then you still have the people that are like, oh, well, it wasn't a real vaccine. Well, yeah. Okay. But you see that nasal swab? It was so for real. It, that was not fake. You saw that blood esta, drop? Esta lagrima. <laughs> you say that blood drop was for real. And the fact of the matter is, is I lost a deal to COVID-19. And he survived the entire 2020 year. He contracted it in 2021. Mm. And he passed, I um, want to say in March. And so for us... As a family, to know that we lost, again, another patriarch in our family, um, people people say, oh, well, you're, you're still arm's distance. No, no, no. This is real. And it's getting closer and closer. And so even as we get closer to the June 15th, day, mm-hmm. we need our gente to be vaccinated. And yes, people can continue to question or be the, oh, I'll wait and see. Well, right now, if you enter, you can be inside of a lottery to be $50,000 richer, you know? <laughs> I didn't know that until like last week. And my mom, we have a little group chat, a little family group chat. He's like, hey, three winners in San Diego last week. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? He's like, you get a lottery opportunity every time. I was like, for me, that's like, God damn, we, we got to really do that. Yeah, we, re- we really have to entice people. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I win that lottery, I'm going to cash that check. <laughs> but it's like, we really have to entice people with cash money to do something that, you know, is not ultimate. It's ultimately going to be a positive thing, yes. you know? Well, there's, there's also two of those people who have been working and for whatever reason, they just have not found the time to do it. Those essential agreed. workers no, um, that may, again, may have not had find the time. Um, you also have the the young people who are just now graduating. They're wild. They're, yeah. They're wild. Who a mí may, no va a pasar nada. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> who have said, well, maybe I'll do it. And that's why I'm so proud of our fire department. They have had the um, vaccination clinics from the very beginning. We're one of a handful of fire departments that got both the state and county um, certification. And so you have somebody who answers your door when you call 911 giving you that vaccine. Mm-hmm. It's the, the Been there, done person. that, Yeah, for sure. And, and so that's why we were also to the first to give it to the high school students. We gave it at Sweetwater High School uh, for 500 uh, vaccines. And it was just amazing because the kids were there. They actually were 
don't want to say peer pressure, pero entre ellos mismos, they were talking about, well, why aren't you going to take Oh, it that's off? what you do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you bully them. Into their, <laughs> adults, yeah. you offer them money. Yeah. The, the, the kids, you say, hey, fool, you can't hang out with us. You don't have a backseat. <laughs> you can't have any of my hot cheetos. No, 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 Get your nasty hand out of there. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 it's, and it's that type of real positive peer pressure and positive, um, you know, example setting that I, I think our kids really know. And as the next generation of leaders, they know how they've sacrificed for the last year and a half. What I felt was really necessary for this class of 2021, 2020, they lost out on the last month, right? Graduation, uh, grad night and prom. Prom, yeah. But they got to hang out during lunchtime through the school year. They got to go to their homecoming football game. This 2020 year, one year? Zero. Not that. They got an online, hey, good to see you. Drive turn, by here. Yeah, tur- drive by, right. turn on your camera because I need to see who you are and where you're at. And so we've been trying to make it a little more special. The Suhai Foundation, we gave them, you know, individualized with pictures, their yard signs for 700 seniors. We did the mural at uh, Kimball Bowl. Yeah. You know, Come out, be socially distanced, hop on the pedestal, and this is yours. And there's just so much that the kids have really sacrificed. And, you know, at times it's like, oh, well, the parents had to do this. Yes. Yeah. We, but- we, we had that and more, you know? The Absolutely. And, uh, oh, yeah, my, I love it. Yeah, my friend Sabrina and her husband, Ramin, they, um, our friend Karen, he got his poster and they were so proud they put her up on there. Aww. So yes. So resilience, man. Yeah. These little these little kids of anything little kids, these adults now, young adults, yes. if anything, they're gonna be resilient. You know, you think back and in, in our we went through like I said, the nine eleven and now the pandemic and it's like, holy crap. These are experiences that ultimately alter shape the way future leaders are going to govern are going to be more empathetic to things going on because this this didn't just say uh hmm, covid i'm gonna only take out the white people mm-hmm. i'm only gonna enforce these things on the mexican people on the black people community no man this this touched everyone everywhere i don't care how many zeros are in your account how many commas are in there it doesn't matter yeah you know financial aid or, or millionaires everybody dealt with this they did and um the, the caveat to that is it disproportionately did hit our community, mm-hmm. even though it did hit everybody, regardless. Um, those that did have access to health care, though, were real quick to get a hospital bed or to have access to PPE or to have access to health insurance that they could talk to a doctor or medical provider. Whereas here where we're still talking about, oh, am I going to go because I I don't want to know or is it that I know where to go? Do am I covered? Cuánto me va a costar? Yeah. You know, those are the real questions that this pandemic, for us as leaders, business owners, teachers, folks in all industries, this is our pivotal moment. We can really change the outlook for so many things, and you know, being uh, both examples, but also to not going back. Like we we can't be okay with people dying on the street. We can't be okay with people not having health insurance when they're working 10, 12, 13 hours a day. Yeah, multiple jobs. Multiple feeding jobs. multiple mouths in the household. Multiple yeah. generations in the household. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of responsibility and we don't always have the answer or the means to, you know, address it. No, but we have to keep pressure and we have to, you know, elected officials like me, I need to Keep hearing from my constituencies. This is what matters. And let me tell you, the students that we are bringing up within the school system who lived this COVID-19 pandemic, they rolled up their sleeves 
and took the vaccine when it became available. Now the 12 year olds, my little ones, they're like, mom, once it hits 12 and under, you know, we're going to raise our hands. Mm -hmm. And the goal is probably by December, January, uh, the end of this year, early next year, there should be something for six months and above. Pretty much everybody at that point. Everybody. And yet there are still people who doubt it. But I mean, all yeah. we can do, all we can do is offer the information, exactly. give an incentive, yep. low hanging fruit. We already picked it. Yeah. We made some mole and some, you know, some jam and everybody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it's, but, it's very true. You know, we can only do what we can do. And that's why we want that herd immunity. And so in National City, we have about 32, almost 33,000 people uh, vaccinated of 48,000 to get to herd immunity. Holy moly, that's yeah. close. Yeah, that's... so super excited, um, but still not there. It's been a busy two and a half years for you in office. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> it's been a busy so before this, what were your goals before COVID? Like, what were your, what was like- What was your, the outlook? What, yeah. <laughs> what, was before all this. Be, what was I supposed to be doing? Uh, no, it was talking about housing, access to upward mobility, uh, jobs, really looking at the fight for 15, engaging um, employers to where they would want to bring those good paying jobs to National City. We're still doing that. We'll be announcing some stuff soon. There's a lot of small business uprising in, mm -hmm. in National City, you know? Mm -hmm. I, and all honestly, I, I look to Machete as one of the pillars because they've been there for a while, you know, and, and I see now their little coffee shops opening, panaderias, you know, and there's just more into entrepreneur. I feel like the entrepreneur spirit is alive and well in this cult, our culture in National City, in, in the South Bay, from Barrio Logan all the way down. You know, it's, I feel like it's thriving right now. I, I agree. And it always has been. But I think the, the pandemic has, you know, tossed a wrench into it. And when we were offering the utility assistance or the rental assistance or the PPP, the, you know, paycheck protection program from the federal government, the ones that knew how to use the system. Boom. Got it. Knew it. Yep, exactly. Right. And got it. Yep. And it's our job to go to the micro business, the one and two employer business, the, the vendors on the street, the tamalera, to make sure that she or he knows what resources to go to. So, yes, we are doing good in that sense. We have the outdoor dining. We're supporting all of that. But it behooves us not to support those other micro entrepreneurs because that's where a majority of the Latinos and mujeres are the business business owners. And it's um, it, it it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, it, it makes sense. Um but we have to we have to do more and it's exhausting. But, you know, that's why we have our partners here who can say, yeah, you know, use this as a platform to support those yeah, small businesses. Sure. And so I congratulate you on one, the podcast, but also to just being able to sobresalir, to survive and thrive and open Every, up. Everybody was involved. Thank you. Appreciate that. We're still battling. I mean, we're not out of it yet, but it 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 feels good to be able to be, you know, thriving and surviving and just doing it all and keeping my staff and just everyone's healthy. Ultimately, that was it. The, the, the health of our staff and our patrons, yep. you know, we're not, we didn't want to open prematurely. You know, we didn't want to, we wanted to make sure everything was in place and safety of our people is always, you know, that's paramount. Up and up and the first thing you need to have. Oh man. Sure. It, it's been a crazy year. I've learned a lot. I mean, I, I didn't sign up to be a small business owner for this, but guess what? <laughs> it, it, it came with the territory. And now I feel like even small businesses were more resilient. You know, we didn't, <laughs> everything that could happen, happened. 
you know, and, and, and we, and we came out the other side and we're still here, you know, battered, tattered, and a little bit, you know, oh, bewildered, but we're here, yep. you know, and it's just a matter of not stopping. Well, that was, and that's funny because, um, you know, environmental justice, as I kind of started the podcast off with, um, also became a topic of conversation because we also had the Bonham Richard, the naval ship fire mm-hmm. that all of the plumes of smoke and toxic hit national city first. And it's like, so what else? We had murder hornets. We had, you yeah. know, all of the things. Alien UFO files. Well, being right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it just unveiled to this month. The, yeah. the, the big uh, Congress. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, so, so, so it's like, if this is w- the worst or the, the most challenging, it makes other things a little easier, but it also too allows us to see how far we can push. Yeah. Because, you it's know, there, be were, tested. there there were times where employers would say, no, you can't do this remote remotely. You have to be in the building or this can only be done in person. Well, now. Guess again. Well, we, there, <laughs> now there's, it's a whole new opportunity. And for us in, in like City Hall, all of our all of our meetings are virtual. Right. OK. And now we're getting more people engaged. Um with with our online services. It's been pretty cool because our website became a conduit for information. We had, you know, a good 15, 20,000 people that would click on our link before COVID. After COVID, 44,000 unique hits came out because we became that trusted source. For you were the bulletin board for resources for uh, small businesses. I need this. How do I get that? For people, just residents who are like, okay, my kids, what's the deal with school? We don't have this. How do I get that? Yep. I mean, city, I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm not you know, blowing smoke. <laughs> city government had a, a, a tall task. And I feel for the most part, you guys answered the bell, you know, and and and. and it's always still, there's always more that can be done, obviously. Yes. But for the majority, I feel like you guys really killed it. Yeah. You know? And and, and it's how do we maximize those yeah. resources? As more resources come from either the state or the feds, we really want to make sure that all of those resources pass through to the people that need them. And right now the state is actually looking at that through the, the state budget and I'll just put in the plug, you know, I'm asking all of the constituents in, in the South Bay in particular, yes, National City, but we know that we have unsheltered in our community. And as people in our community live paycheck to paycheck, they're on the cusp of needing those types of services as well. So whatever we can do to advocate for more, uh, there was $12 billion that was allocated for homeless unsheltered wraparound services, boom. And a housing first initiative, $12 billion. We need that advocate to our legislators. And the second one was a $1.5 billion uh, clean California uh, initiative to help clean up the freeways and making sure that trash and debris doesn't make it to our waterways or our watersheds. Um, and, you know, helping us uh, clean up uh, the spaces that right now, too, are, are getting uh, dumped on. So a, a lot of opportunity. Homelessness has always been there. Homelessness has always been like a, a topic of conversation. It's always been something that has been very prevalent. But I feel during the pandemic, it just became more amplified. It was something that was, it was more visible. It, yeah, you could pay more attention to it because you had more time on your hands. We were at home. You know, we're like, what's really going on? I'm never more eyes yeah, <laughs> in never, the community. I feel like a lot of things got uncovered. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like I'm, not, I'm never at home at uh, 2 p.m. What, go, what goes on around here? You know, and then you, you, you just start seeing things. How did National City deal with that? How, how? 
how how the navigating through the homelessness issues. I see that here a lot in Chula Vista in my community. I know it's prevalent in the national city. It's a prevalent issue in all of South San Diego. Yes. You know, especially from like the, the downtown area, or is that like the little Peco, the, the all the way down? Yeah, the East Village area down. It's like it just it was very under the microscope. And it's like, oh my God, there's a lot of people that need assistance. Yeah. And it really shows that what was being done was truly band-aid approach. Um the pandemic, you know, there were certain programs that really stepped up and, you know, they have offered shelter beds um, at the convention center. There were certain resources that were provided at hotels. So nobody, they were all taken into consideration. However, you know, the independence, the autonomy, the coming in and out when you need, um, you know, there, there are very strict rules in those facilities. And when you're an adult and you have had the full life to live, are you going to live under those rules and restrictions and, you know, and be around people who may or may not be sick as it is. So lots of, (laughs) lots of challenges, but I'm no expert when it comes to the unsheltered. And I'm looking to continue to be educated on ways to be more compassionate, uh, to help set guidelines for our community. And also to to make sure that we are all safe and healthy because it helps no one when I have somebody jumping a fence into somebody else's property to use the electricity, to use and potentially you know do other things that are illegal. And they just want to live, you know, being homeless is not, um, not illegal. It's not against the law. However, activities that do happen that are associated with being homeless, <laughs> it do, do take, um, you know, a toll. And, and I think it's, it's making sure that we have the resources. So I would, I want to take this time to say, look, our, our job hasn't stopped. We need money. We need those resources and not just the one time money, but I need you to be invested. So if it's if it's a, a one-time case management program, then how can we keep that case manager over the course of five years? Give me a 10-year program because we know outcomes don't happen overnight. Right. And it's that's one of the, the frustrating things that over the course of the pandemic, you know, our hands were tied at certain times with what we could and couldn't do um, because that's Caltrans property. We don't have jurisdiction over that. But my parks, I do. But when the governor says you cannot remove homeless encampments, you can't. Yeah. So, so lots of little A lot of elements. hoops to jump through. That, A lot of things to juggle. But again, it gives us opportunity. Yep. So through the Alpha Project and, um, you know, Catholic Charities and a number of the nonprofits, they created, you know, um, food uh, distributions and shelter information and 79 points of contact, you know, with one individual to try to get resources you know so it's it, it really helps us also to see what's working and, and what, what isn't work. yeah, yeah. let's let's change it oh, man. yeah one of the things that you mentioned were were housing and like businesses right like getting jobs in the city that allows people to not not to go anywhere and like be able to survive with with within within your community right very much so and um with that you know looking at our transportation corridors making sure that you don't have to get in your car to go to work. How awesome would that be? You know, right now we've seen that because people are zooming, right? In and out. Cool. 
You don't even have to leave your bedroom nope. if you wanted to. You can do that. <laughs> you can uh, operate with pyjamas, bro, if you really want to. <laughs> Transportation got me right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in, you know, being MTS vice chair, uh, being the Sandag uh, second vice chair, which is our COG, our council of government. What a schedule. But that, <laughs> what yeah, a don't schedule. even get me started. Um, but it's really showing that voice, having the voice at the table, but showing that why not dream big? Why not? And I remember this at when I was at UC San Diego. They talked about this trolley coming up to UCSD from San Isidro and National City. I used to take the bus. It took two hours. Hop on the bus, get off at Old Town, take the trolley or take the trolley up, take the bus and then walk up the hill to Gilman Drive to get to UCSD. That's quite now, a bike ride. I can yeah. only imagine what it's like to do. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> that, that, oh, right? yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. But now it's called the Midcoast Trolley. 20 years later, it's now a reality. And so if we want to create and lower our carbon footprint, if we want to create an environment that our children don't have to have a vehicle to get around, and we talked about this you know, earlier, when you have a, a neighborhood, and we call it a 10-minute community, where in 10 minutes, any way you walk or roll, so whether you have your little walker because you're abuelita uh -huh. or you have your stroller because you've got a young one, you go in any direction. You can go to a financial institution, a bank. You can go to an entertainment space, a restaurant, a space for groceries, to go to the doctors. Those are the neighborhoods that we want to see and many of the next generation wants to see. Bedroom communities where you have to have a car to get in or there's one bus stop and then you have to walk up a big old hill doesn't work. No. Um, and so, you know, it's really rethinking what we want and the Sandag regional transportation plan that we just unveiled uh, last week is part of that. Cause it's the plan for the next, you know, 30, 50 years. I have it. Steve, I'm going to read it to you. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm on board with this. You know? and then I've been, I've been, I've been a part of this without even knowing all of my life. Yeah. I never leave Chula Vista. <laughs> you know, there's, there's certain guidelines. I'm like, okay, I'll go in 54 North. Oh, only if I'm going to Machete. Only if I'm doing this. Okay, I'm going to go to the 125 East only because I work at UPS. Everything else is in that little box. You know, there's times that wifey and the kids and us, we never leave North of like H Street. You know, we, we like that 10 minute community, like yes. you're alluding to, we discovered that by accident, everything that we need is here, mm -hmm. you know, especially when we moved back to the West side and it's like, everything we need is here. You know what? That's a great third Avenue to open up a business. Let me bring the brewery over here. Let's do that. So now it's legitimately, it's like, Ooh, everything is here. Yeah. And you can go to the store mm -hmm. to get groceries. You can go get fast food. If mm -hmm. you wanted to, you want to go to a park, you want to go to a dog park. It's all of these elements. And, and it shouldn't just be in one part of the community. We should really be thinking this about replicating it everywhere. Correct. Yeah. And, but it takes the ganas and sometimes the guts to say, well, have you, have we rethought about this? And We've had people that testify, you will rip these kids, these keys out of my cold, cold dead yeah. hands. <laughs> and we're like, okay, well, we'll wait you out. I mean, yeah. the, the, the reality is it's not going to be built tomorrow. But if we don't start thinking about these plans now and start thinking about how we're going to pay for it, it's never going to happen. It won't happen. This mid-coast trolley, 20 years. Now, in 20 minutes, you can get from San Isidro to La Jolla to a, high, uh, a higher educational institution, 
you can get a job up there. They can come down south. You know, how many times did you have to hop in a real cramped car to go down to TJ back in our days? Now, con los compitas en el Grand But now it's on a trolley. Yeah. And then our goal through MTS is uh, looking to offer 24 hour service. I'm excited for everything you guys are. You know, both you. And you, Mr. Mm-hmm. Borden. And like, I know, right. I know, you, I know. You got like, goes, oh, my, as he shows us my MTS tattoo. tattoo right here. That's the trolley it. tattoo. Look at you and a weird motorcycle underneath it. All right. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about cannabis okay. and National City. Okay. Where are we? Mm-hmm. What's coming? What can I, what can I have on my person when I'm in National City if I was to do something <laughs> like that? Because here yeah. in my fair community of Chula Vista, I can call Grasshopper and I can make an appointment, go in, pick up what I need, walk around town like there's no problem. I'm sure there's rules. I can't smoke or do whatever. But in National City, a lounge? Yeah. What's so, going on? So um, back when um, it was legalized, cannabis was legalized statewide because we did not have an ordinance in place. We actually put a moratorium on um, distributors or cannabis storefronts to be brought into our community. We said we wanted to create a policy that really reflected our core values and fast forward. And plus the, it was, it lost 51 to 49 in national city. So it was, still it was close. already, yeah. it was still close, but it lost. However, Fast forward through the pandemic, my election, the pandemic, and a number of other things, and just rumblings from the state of California, we were hearing that the ordinance, uh, that there was going to be policy statewide that was going to mandate those communities that did not have their own policy on the books, it was going to be carte blanche. Yeah. You could have anything Whatever and everything. Yeah. Wow. And we said, um, yeah, no, that's not okay. That's why we kind of have this moratorium. Now it's going to be told to us. So we as an organization said, okay, um, we need to have something on the books. And it took my first year. We had surveys. We had town halls. Then the pandemic, it slowed down a little bit. And this past year, we've had more dialogue around it and um just a couple weeks back, we passed our cannabis ordinance, which allowed for six, um, uh, three dispensaries and three uh, lounges on the west side of the five freeway. Okay. And why there? National City, eight and a half square miles. You know, we're a pretty built out community in that we're surrounded by the freeways. You know where everything's at. But we really wanted to have a thumbprint. Let's have organizations succeed in this area. And also along the waterfront, we have our port, um, you know, our our Pier 32. We have new industry that could potentially go in there, cannabis being one of them. And so if we look at one for the enforcement part of it, if anybody shows up on the west side of the five freeway, we know you're illegal, first of Mm -hmm. all. But second, why not have it in an area where we can help really focus those efforts, the investment, um, it's freeway adjacent, it's on and off, um, in those areas. And so we really wanted to create that environment. Um, and there's money to be made very much. There's a, there's a lot of taxable income to be made. (laughs) Very much so. And the next step, um, because we did pass that ordinance, um, is to talk about a development agreement. And this is really kind of like the abrazo or the handshake that we say and expect of those community partners. And it could be from sponsoring a scholarship at the Suhai Foundation. 
It could be um, making sure that they are all members of the Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. you know, engaging in our community, not transactional, but you are really You're invested, invested in the community that you, you are, operate in. You are hiring locally. You are building with local. Oh, they'll be content. hiring very locally. <laughs> don't, 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 don't get it twisted. It'll, that'll be going on for sure. <laughs> but I think just recognizing that for me, I see this also as those people that want to build in my community, those businesses that want to come to our community, it's not transactional. I want you here for the long term. I want to get married. I want you to know my good, bad, and ugly. But when you're succeeding, know that I'm going to succeed. It's a commitment. Exactly. Long term. Because there's been too many times that communities like National City, because we have a working class community, because we have melatonin, because we, <laughs> you know, we we speak a certain way or we have an accent or don't have an accent. We're homeowners, rent, whatever. We haven't had all those resources. And at the top, they haven't held those people's feet to the fire. And I feel this is the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And so the uh, development agreement uh, conversation will be happening on the 15th. Very so nice. everyone is welcome. Things are moving fast. Very. Things are on the fast track, it looks yeah, like. Yeah. But if we think about it, though, if something from the state of California is still rumbling, if we don't get all this done then something could still uh, be placed on us. Technically we have our ordinance in place. So that yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have a lawsuit, you know, (laughs) fight that. But we want, we want those partners to know this is what, this is what we want. And, you know, long-term we're here. That applies to all businesses in in national city, you know, you'd think, but there's some people who want to be above certain things. Yeah. And, and that's, but again, it's what have people expected of our community? Yeah. What have people asked and then gotten the response of no to? And it's and it's not like, oh, you know, you stop there. You're 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 persistent. It's well, why wouldn't we want this? We deserve it. Yeah. We've endured transmission shops and auto body shops next to our kids. We've endured freaking a fire with a plume of toxic smoke over us. We've endured cucarachas and mold in uh, sub um, uh, substandard housing because the landlord was crappy. So when the long arm of the law at the go city ahead, council shows up to say we want responsible everything, landlords to business owners, we expect that as a minimum. Oh yeah, standard. that's a that's a basic requirement. <laughs> but again, you're, you're but, think, but then. Again, you'd think, but it's reminding people. Remember we said yeah, this? Rem- yeah. You remember. Yeah. And I think that it's just that constant. And, you know, if, if that's what I'm known for as an elected official, setting by example, but also to pushing, mm-hmm. then, you know. I'm, yeah, I'm here for all of it. I'm, I, I am. And, yeah. I, and I'm going to fight for my community as much as I can because they're my family. It's your community. My community you know. that helped raise me, yep. and see, you know, those the gente don't like it. That's okay. Yeah, you're, gonna, <laughs> you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna be around for a while. I, I can already tell you're gonna be around for a while if you work with the lowrider community. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> What's going on with the lowrider community? She has yeah. a bike, bro. Now, I know she has a bike. I had to make sure she actually rode it. Oh yeah. But yeah. now there's a coalition, the lowrider coalition. What's going on? Yeah. So we've been talking about um, the cruising ordinance mm-hmm. along Highland Avenue. For can I? Quite 
quite am, am I time. allowed to know? Well, the thing is, you know, it's <laughs> one of, interestingly enough, you know, in conversations with our police department, it's one of the ordinances that hasn't always been enforced, mm-hmm. you know, over the last decade or so, because there really hasn't been, you know, big low rider, you know. There's uh, no more charger celebrations. <laughs> well, there's no, that's the, that's the happens. Yeah. <laughs> Mexico soccer games. Yeah, but it's, but it's sporadic. It's yeah, not right. every Sunday. It's not from Consistent. this to this. Yeah, Sunday. it's not organized. And my first year, we brought about the first lowrider uh, car show at Kimball Park, uh, along with Mr. Bird from, um, I believe he's from the crowd. But don't, yeah, don't, don't quote, quote me, me on that. <laughs> but I mentioned that because right afterwards, we had a police sanctioned cruise. And it was a two-hour cruise where everybody was going up. Like and down. I'm not falling for this trap, yeah. police-sanctioned cruise. Yeah. I'm staying home. <laughs> no, it was beautiful. And again, when we have partnerships like that, permits were pulled. Everybody knew what was up. There was a time frame because back in the 1980s, there was shootings, there was stabbings, there was literally seven to eight police officers on four blocks within the city. That meant that the rest of the city was not being taken care of. And so it's that balance. It's finding the balance of how we bring about responsible cruising. You know, it's a beautiful uh, art and culture representation of the, you know, not only Latinos, because you see a lot of- fiber of our fabric. You know, it's it's there. It's it's woven into the culture and all our background. Mm -hmm. Uh, As well as, hey, maybe we could have something that's more consistent. Maybe during certain summer months- we have, you know, designated times where people can come out, do the cruise. If it's a bike, if it's a whatever, a vehicle, a truck, you can do this for this period of time. In L.A., they were talking about permits. If you want to cruise, you pay a permit fee and then you can there cruise. You during I've had it. Yeah. Hey, revenue sources, you know, and that's how... Guess what? When the, when the economy is shut down for a year, you'll be surprised what city, city government officials are willing to do and what <laughs> what permits are going to be issued. You know, <laughs> we haven't made money in a year with no taxable income. Hi. Let's let's legalize cannabis. Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, the thing, but the thing is, the pandemic didn't didn't cause that. I, I want to be clear. Though. We were talking about the, we were talking about right. the cruising before, um, and, and really what it means for us, kind of like cannabis. We know it's there, but how can we make it unique to us? Mm -hmm. And yes, it is about the revenue because if we don't have that tax base, if we don't have that, you don't have a firefighter to come to your door. You don't have a police officer to come to your door. Mm -hmm. You don't have sewer services in national city. Things that that we need. (laughs) And and, and I think it's, it's, it's that balance though, letting people know, but also to seeing those, it's very forward thinking though. It's very forward thinking. If we, if we can utilize these services, if we can utilize these things, these components that have often been taboo or looked down upon or just kind of put on the back burner, it's like, Oh, lowrider, no cruising, no marijuana, cannabis. If we can utilize that and ultimately funnel it into something that provides services for everybody in the community, it's very forward thinking to be like, okay, we got to move past these taboos or, or the way that we think about what marijuana is, yeah. you know, whether we're approving it or not, it's going to get done in the city. And it shouldn't be a moral decision. Um, and I always share the story that my first conference uh, when I became mayor was a cannabis conference in Sacramento. You were and on I gummies. Went, you were on and gummies. I, and, I went, <laughs> and I know I was, uh, but I went with my um, city assistant city attorney and one of the lieutenants. And there they talked about what jurisdictions 
what powers we as city officials have. And it was site, smell, parking, which is the same jurisdiction we have over restaurants, over grocery stores, over movie shops. It's those things that we have control over. We shouldn't be deciding whether or not it's good or bad. Yeah. And I was somebody who was anti-cannabis before I became mayor. That conference changed my outlook. And it really allowed me to see my own power of a municipal leader. And I would say cannabis and other, whether it be permits, are not the magic bullet. They're not going to save and bring us the millions of billions of dollars that some folks, when they're like, oh, choose us, choose us. You know, we want this. We want this storefront or whatever. Um because it won't. And we won't actually see those monies yeah. until somebody that's, pays that's, their yeah. permit <laughs> or until they actually start making money. Yeah. And that's a year from now, uh, six months to a year from now. So we can talk about all the monies we want, but until I see that check yeah. in the coffer and Fake cash, news. Yeah, <laughs> until yeah, then. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a ways away. And and so, you know, it's, it's, it's just um, being flexible and, nice. and saying, why not? And if we are missing out, you know, it's not going to be and save everything. But if we can put one drop in the bucket, then we're going to do that. And for us to uh, continue uh, increasing our budget, it's about a million bucks a year. Because as we look at inflation, as we look at cost, uh, you know, services, the census también happened last year, yeah. which showed us one, we were undercounted, first of all. But even with that, there's still an increase in population that we have to account for. So that means more housing. That means more schools. That means more grocery stores. That means more housing again. That means, you know, transportation options. So all of these elements kind of play into each other. And if we're not willing to pay more as well, you know, then where is that? Yep. How are we going to get those services then? And um, so, yeah, never, never an easy position to be in. But we have to be willing, each of us, to put that drop in the bucket. Oh, to be the mayor. <laughs> oh, to be the mayor. Thank you for coming in today. Oh, thank this you. This is awesome. I, I enjoy, like, you know, because, like you said, the Venn diagram of the South Bay, you know, one person knows another and ultimately, like, oh, yeah, I've heard, oh, yeah. But just to actually sit down and, and, and get to talk to you and get to know that we graduated in the same year, mm -hmm. you know, that we probably mm -hmm. once upon a once upon a time ran in the similar circles, yeah, you we know, were probably at uh, Frogs or Club oh, FX dancing. Damn. We just talked about this. Yeah. yeah you fue el tangalú, bro. You <laughs> <laughs> it was tangalú or then when I was young, that was a long time ago. I would be in Revolución, bro. There was yeah, a place called one. the Cactus Club. The Cactus Club. Well, see, ours, yeah, no, that sounds gritty. Yeah. Mine's Very. just FX. Okay. They, they always have had like really good house music. Um, so that I'm outing myself. I shouldn't even talk about this when I was little, bro. My parents never knew. You were 14 years Dude, the older I got, the more brave and brazen I got with the stories. I told my parents, like, damn, did I ever tell you about it? It's like, yeah, but no, Tijuas was definitely experienced. I'm afraid now for my kids. Raising three little boys, I'm like, son of a bitch. So you're a helicopter parent. Oh, not yet, but I'm getting there. You just told me about being a helicopter parent. Thank you both for coming. Christian, thank you for being my National City Connect. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Christian. Thank you. Ms. Mayor, thank you for cruising through. If there's anything else we could ever do to help out, by all means, reach out. We are always here. Gracias. Well, again, I appreciate it. And again, South Bay is rising. We are, you know, making our mark. We've always been here. And now it's our opportunity they to poke use- the sleeping giant. To, to, to have the microphone, to have the platform, to say, this is who we are. And we are smart, proud, 
very, you know, I would say just proud individuals yeah, that are going to, we're working off the shoulders of our elders. So congratulations thank on your you. successes. Keep it up. I know you're going to be in power for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you.